Funding for Elwood City Limits is provided by, uh, I don't know, uh, me, I guess. doesn't really cost much. <laughs> and from viewers like you. Thank you. My free time. That's what funds us. <laughs> Hey there! It's Elwood <laughs> City Limits. Elwood City Limits. Hey there! Welcome. I'm totally going to keep that in. Welcome to Elwood City Limits. It is the episodic Arthur podcast. Thank you for finding us and uh, for joining us. My name's Will Young, and joined as always by my associate uh, and partner in this trek through the PBS television show, Arthur. It's Lucas Mancini. Hello! So, Lucas, we've got the right episodes this time. That's right. I absolutely, 100%, I triple, maybe quadruple checked. Yes. I've watched the proper episode. Very good. That was a big problem last time. <laughs> it's, it's been a while. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks in our time. Of course, uh, here in the podcast time, it may feel not as long. And, of course, now we have a little bit of a... We have a little bit of a, a spiel to get to because we have things to plug now. Mm-hmm. Um, the, our timeline is going to be all messed up for the next few episodes because, well, we created a bit of a backlog to start. We were kind of late to get starting, which is which was mostly me. In fact, it was all me. But uh, we got ourselves through a lot of checklists. We, uh, first of all, have some awesome art that oh. we got our hands on a couple weeks ago in our time. We're recording this uh, in the f- uh, first First day of September 2016, and a couple weeks ago, uh, your close personal friend and a favorite YouTuber of mine, Nitro Rad. That's right, Nitro uh, Rad on YouTube.com slash Nitro Rad if you want to see his fantastic videos. If you're a fan of platforming video games or RPG Maker games, mm-hmm. you can check those out on his YouTube channel. And he made some lovely, lovely art for us because he's also sort of a Photoshop wizard. He's also, he has, I very much enjoyed his in-depth uh videos on the Silent Hill series. So yes, Nitro Rad, thank you very much and appreciate you uh, listening as well. And speaking of listening, there are a couple ways you can do that now. We are officially on SoundCloud. We have put the uh, we've put the podcast out that way. So if you enjoy listening on your browser, SoundCloud is the way to do it. We're Elwood City Limits over there. And most excitingly, as of this week, the last week of August, first week of September, we are on iTunes. Head on down to iTunes, drop a review. Doesn't matter how many stars you give it. Just give us as many stars you think we deserve. Leave a review. It always helps us get up on those iTunes charts. And tell your friends. Absolutely. Tell your friends. Tell anybody you think would really love this little niche podcast about everybody's favorite artwork. Yeah, search Elwood City Limits into iTunes. And, uh, yeah, if you want to let us know about any other services that we should be part of, I know that there's other stuff like... Stitcher and whatnot. I don't really know how those work. So if you think that we should expand out from SoundCloud and iTunes, if you'd like to drop us any kind of comments, criticism, feedback, mm-hmm. you can uh, do so at our email. You can go to ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Drop us a line by email. And you can also find us on Facebook, Elwood City Limits. See, that's like a whole, it's like professional-ish. Now. I know, it's it's weird. So when does it get to the point where we're going to be like, <laughs> subscribe to our Patreon? And yeah. it's like, to me, that's, Patreon seems super stressful because it's like you have to think of things that would be worth giving out money to. And I'm just like, <laughs> when does Squarespace start knocking on our door? Oh, I see. Blue Apron. See, to be honest with you, that's what I'm more excited <laughs> for is I really want to read copy for meundies.com. Like, I super want to read the new Lisa bed 
Uh, Nature Box, where are you at? Oh, man. Nature Box, Geek Box, Loot Crate, Wrestle Crate. It's all good, baby. We are ready to be monetized, and we are ready yeah. to be corporate sponsored here at Elwood City Limits. We will bow to all sponsors. But, of course, we want to keep it as free as birds for you listening. So thank you very much. The email, the Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes. Let's get it all going because today we've got another pair of episodes. But first off, I want to go off the episodes for a little bit because um, are you familiar, Lucas, with uh, Watch Mojo on YouTube? Yes, I have seen Watch Mojo's videos from time to time. A little bit controversial, I know, because, uh, you know, it's a top ten list. So obviously you're going to stir up controversy that way and, you know, people will disagree. People will make fun of them. But they are one of the more popular YouTube channels following them for a couple of years and uh, just recently in the last couple of weeks they did a uh, top 10 memorable characters of the 1990s specifically cartoon characters and uh, it just so happens that Arthur Arthur Reed ranked on the list in fact he was in the uh, the cover image for the uh, for the video probably why you clicked it. This is all news to me. Very I have not seen this video, and I'm very interested to hear, where did Arthur stack up? So, Did he beat Doug Funny? Where does he rank against Doug Funny? So, as far as I know, now, the, the I didn't commit the entire list to memory, Okay, but if Doug Funny was on the list, Arthur beat him. We have Arthur coming in at number four oh on the overall top ten list, beat out by the seminal 90s characters uh, Cartman from South Park, Okay, yeah, I can see that. A big part of the 90s, sure, you have to admit. Sure. Pikachu. Okay. And Homer Simpson. Alrighty. Wow. That, with that esteemed company, Arthur did pretty well for himself. He beat Hey Arnold. Mm hmm. He beat Courage the Cowardly Dog. That's true. SpongeBob. All three Powerpuff Girls. Old SpongeBob, too. Uh, and that's the best SpongeBob. Yeah. Congratulations to Arthur making it number four <laughs> on a Watch Mojo list. That's certainly more than. Than I've ever made. Number one in our hearts. <laughs> so we get into today's episode. It is Arthur's Pet Business and DW the Copycat. So let's get into the first episode. Of course, if you'd like to follow along with us now, we've said it before that if you search Google for these specific episodes, you will most likely find yourself a... Uh, an Arthur stream, a uh, streaming video of the episode somewhere. There is no legal way that I have found yet to stream it in Canada. In Canada, if you're an American, you can watch it on the PBS website, correct? Correct. Yes, okay. and I've and I have checked and double checked that. So this is how best to do it while going along ish side the law. So Arthur's pet business. Now, wanted to start this off by asking you, Lucas, have you ever owned a dog? Only once I became basically a young adult. I didn't have a dog until I had completed high school, uh, and it was more the family's dog, not my dog personally. It was never a big thing for me. My little sister always really, really wanted a dog super bad. Same with my dad. But me and my mom were sort of on the other side of the fence going, oh, it sounds like a lot of work. But the dog that lives at my parents' house right now, I love it to pieces. My dog Spirit, he's a half Samoyed, half Husky, and he's, he's the light of my life. Aww. I think, yeah, that's actually, now that you mentioned it, I think I've seen pictures of, of you and he. And uh, myself, uh, half of my family was allergic to dogs. And to be honest, I don't think that I would ever have been ready to take care of a dog. I'm, I can barely take care of myself. And I just celebrated my birthday in my mid-20s. So I think it was all for the best. But I certainly, because of shows like Arthur and other cartoon shows, I thought having a dog was the pinnacle. Well, as we'll soon learn, you're right. It is a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. 
I see. I took the wrong lesson from this episode. I thought I'd love a dog, not oh lord, pets are pets are terrible, <laughs> which uh, I've carried into my uh, adulthood. We start the episode, and uh, you'll have to forgive me again. My notes are a little little loose, so uh, I can't remember the exact note it starts on. I believe Arthur is looking at through the. He's got a great line, uh, Arthur Ferris Bueller Styles talking to the camera as he's one to do, mm-hmm. and he says, "This is a great sales pitch, by the way." He goes, "I'm the kind of boy." Who should have a dog? That's right. <laughs> Wonderful. You already got me on the hook, Arthur. He's, Let me hear your pets. Yeah, so he's laying out everything for whoever may be listening that could uh, gift him a pet. Yeah, he lays out all these scenarios where uh, the dog, uh, something bad would happen unless a dog was there. And right. in one scenario, Arthur's mom goes, what would have happened? What would have happened if you didn't have a dog? Well, see, it's really this one scenario, and it's 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 rife, rife with problems, as <laughs> as is the mind of a of a young of a youngster. So in this one it is Arthur's baby sister Kate is up a tree and then Arthur's mother says, "Oh no, Kate climbed up too high." And I'm like, <laughs> "How? Like literally how?" I didn't even In what? No, but like really. Like <laughs> how did we get here? It is very suspicious. And she puts the blame not on herself of just like, "Oh no, I climbed up too high and left." It's Kate climbed up too high as if she's got Spider-Man style hair bristles on her fingers and just climbed up like babies do up trees. And then Arthur and his jerk dog, like his <laughs> like look at this dog. Look at this dog. He looks like Laddie from the Simpsons. And Laddie was kind of a, like he was a good dog, yes. He was very heroic, but he was also a little bit of a jerk. Like, And his dog looks like a jerk. It looks like very high maintenance. I don't like the look of his dog. But anyway, it goes and saves Kate the baby, so good for it, I guess. And then his mother says, Arthur, what would we have done if you didn't have a dog? To which I say, fire department. Exactly. There's lots of alternatives. You could climb up in the tree. A ladder. Yeah, you know, they talk about mothers, their babies are caught under a car, and they suddenly get super strength, and they can lift up the car. Yes. You could climb, like, a three-meter tree to get your baby, which you let climb up yourself. What was she doing? Maybe, Not very attentive, Maybe huh? Maybe Mama Reed has a touch of the arthritis. <laughs> it's a service dog, apparently. <laughs> the uh, dream sequence ends abruptly with Arthur being confronted by uh, who will come to know as Perky, who is essentially evil pal. Like, it's right. Yeah, evil it's pal. The the Negazone pal. Pal with a goatee. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pal with a bow. Exactly, so. pal with a bow. And, of course, gender swapped. But, uh, yeah, so we'll come to know Perky quite well. This uh, episode. Bizarro pal. Bizarro pal. It's pretty much this This episode can also be referred to as uh, pal origins. Because mm-hmm. this is the very start. Pal's kind of jumped in and out of the timeline. We mentioned kind of non-linear storytelling in Arthur and, you know, pet Pal will sometimes be there, sometimes he won't be. And this is definitely the very beginning of Arthur's journey towards having a dog, as we'll see near the end of the episode. So Arthur is makes no bones about the fact that he wants a dog, to which point DW knows full well before he kind of drops it on his parents, and she is lording over this power that she has over him. She's chanting at him like it's an insult, Arthur wants a dog. Like, mm. in the same cadence, she would say something insulting to someone, like yes. in a sing-songy voice. She's going, Arthur wants a dog, Arthur wants a dog. This part kind of perplexed me because I was like, I, I I really don't understand what her end game is here. But we soon find out. Well, she well she knows very well that he's he wants to wait before he tells his mother and father and says, "You can trust me, Arthur." You can trust me, Arthur. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And at the dinner table, she just drops it and just like Arthur wants a puppy. <laughs> just like boom, there it is. Deal with it now, sucker. 
and that must have felt particularly good to someone of her ill. Arthur tries a hurried pitch to get his parents on board, to which they say, well, think about it, NDW, beyond her years of wisdom, says, that means no. <laughs> which is parent code, for sure. <laughs> Arthur says, uh, I would feed it, and I would walk it, and I'd play catch with it. And I was just thinking, you're missing one important thing there, pal. Oh, man, now I gotta think. You always catch me in these Luke, moments where I look like an idiot. Lucas, come on now. Be, feed it, walk it, play catch with it. Um, what else do you do with the dog? Clean up their poo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In fact, you might consider that one of the more important parts than <laughs> playing catch with it. <laughs> so eventually his parents give in, but with the caveat that he has to prove that he's responsible enough to do it, which is interesting because it's a very open-ended goal. And you see Arthur kind of like mulling it over on DW's bed. And proving responsibility is a really tough charge for a kid. Like, if you just kind of drop a very open-ended goal in the kid's lap, they're just like, I, I don't know. Like, why don't you tell me what, what you want me to do? It's I feel like it's one of those things where you're either a responsible kid or you're not. It's like mm. when people refer to people's kids as bad kids. Oh, they got a bad kid. Yeah. It's sort of a general personality trait that you have to – exude in your day-to-day life. Well, I, I don't think someone's necessarily born with responsibility. You definitely, It's definitely something learned as you do it more, as are most things. But there could be kids that are a bit more uh, prone to doing that sort of thing than others. So Arthur thinks, well, maybe maybe I uh, should get a job. Or Actually, D- D.W. suggests yes, it. Sorry, she yes. says, why don't you get a job so you can pay back the $7 you owe me? Yeah. Two birds, one stone. Very much so. I wonder, what, I wonder why he owes her seven dollars, but uh, you know, all kinds of things. I don't know, candy maybe. <laughs> so uh, his friend suggests him getting a job, like Muffy, who suggests he uh, g- get a job with her father as a used car salesman. And we get to see Arthur's uh, work getup. You and I were kind of talking about work getups before we started recording. You know, you and I just kind of rocked the polo shirt, long pants, uh, shorts in the uh, in the summer. Arthur goes completely the other way. He's got this fetching, but also Riddler-esque green-checked blazer and his ever-present bow tie. So he looks like a looks like a money salesman. It's funny because when I was a young kid, this is what I thought a car salesman looked like. I think this mm-hmm. is a pretty uh, – uh, it's like a car salesman cliche, the gaudy blazer and the gaudy tie. Yeah. Uh, car salesman's wearing like polka dots and stuff. So mm-hmm. this is how a car salesman always looked in my mind, which has never been true in reality. <laughs> They're always just wearing business cash clothes, khakis. I've never seen uh, a car salesman cosplaying like they do in children's television. Right. It's not like that guy who sells like cash for gold or like <laughs> Jim Cramer's Mad Money or something. They never look like that. Uh, so Arthur comes up kind of out of nowhere with the idea that if he takes care of other people's pets, then that'll prove that he res- he's responsible for his own, which, not a bad idea. He just kind of pulls it out of thin air, and Francine suggests you should do something you like, so he really uh, takes that snowball and runs it up the hill uh, in that regard. So he makes up posters, as you do when you're a kid, uh, for Arthur's pet business. Uh, but I have one problem with the poster. So it's very bare bones. It's Arthur's pet business, and the only directive on it is call Arthur Reed. <laughs> No phone number. <laughs> Just call Arthur Reed. Now, Arthur, not listed in the phone book. No mention of his parents. No mention of even who he is. He's clearly going district to district here. So there's no... E- we're, we are not in the era of Facebook or even Friendster, people. No, right. mi- no MySpace to track him down. It's just call Arthur Reed. 
really Craigslist would have eliminated this entire problem. Kijiji, yeah. Kijiji, exactly. Um, Arthur's List. Arthur's List. But I, I mean, uh, I guess. When you join MySpace, Arthur is one of your first friends. It's Tom <laughs> in, and Arthur. In his top eight. Were you were you even old enough to have a MySpace? Absolutely not. <laughs> oh my God, I feel so old. Oh Lord. And uh, yeah, so his parents uh, decide to help him out um, with spreading the poster around. So they gave it to some of their friends. Uh, Arthur's dad in his catering van hands it out to the Moose Club. The Moose Squad. They all have moose jackets. They're all moose. Whatever the plural of moose. So is. I'm guessing it's like a takeoff of like say a Lions Club or something. Oh, I didn't even consider that. I mean, that. because, like, maybe sort of like a Shriners kind of thing, because they're all moose. They're wearing these awesome moose lettermans. Yeah, and I certainly hope that there's nothing nothing sinister to this when you have all one breed of animal who are in their own kind of club. I mean, hey, hey, it's cool. Like, you do it as long as you're not hurting other people. I'm yeah. just like... Hashtag moose pride. I, I hope we're not talking about hashtag moose supremacy here. Oh, my goodness. Mo- Definitely not. Moose supremacy. I feel like Arthur's dad, he's a really reasonable dude. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where he falls on the political spectrum, but I can't <laughs> see that Arthur's dad would cater for a bunch of bigoted moose. Mm. So I, I think they're probably on uh, on the up and up. Okay. No, you're, you know what? You're probably right, and it probably is just something as innocuous as just like, ah, eh, moose club. But, you know, it's just kind of like, oh. There's that uh, Moose Club. (laughs) (laughs) So the Flyers work. Yeah, no, the Flyers work mildly well at first. Uh, Arthur gets his first phone call, which he was waiting by the phone to do, which, uh, you know, back in those days you just kind of had to do. Uh, So his first customer is Mrs. Wood, who we see earlier in the episode kind of talking with Kate. She's an older kind of grandmotherly bunny. I'll stop you for a second there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I loved this joke where when Arthur's answering the phone, he answers the phone, Arthur's pet business, Arthur speaking, and he he basically fits the phrase Arthur's pet business in as much as possible. That's good. That's good. That's good branding right exactly. there. Exactly. Like we work in the radio business. You want to get the the point home in an ad at least 3 times. For you sure. want to say the brand. He's bringing so, he's bringing the name home because it's not like he's appearing on local access TV or something. He's like doing it right to you. He's pitching to you. He's got some he's got some okay business instincts for an 8-year-old as you need. Um so he gets his first job and it's to watch Mrs. Wood's pet Perky dog Perky and he gets what I think is a little unfair. It's $10 to watch the dog for a week. And like what like I in the same breath that I uh, that I uh, respect Arthur's business acumen, I also have to admonish the fact that he is a dumb eight-year-old who gets $10 to watch this high-maintenance dog for a week. Seven days. What a sucker. Well, in the previous episodes, we don't know the inflation. I didn't look it up. Ah, oh, you did. And, well, no. I, no, I'm sorry. No. God, no. But, I, but I, I, should, I should note, this is another failing of the poster. No rates. That's no true. No even clue about rates. He's letting the customer dictate the price. Wrong choice. But as we've learned in the previous episodes, $15 in the Arthur universe is directly equal to one action figure. Three. Three. $15 is three action figures. So all, he's already be, got this, two this, action figures then. I so, hope so $10, it's going a long way for an eight year Unless DW takes a cut, then you got. That's right. Well, you got, we'll get you, into then, that then, later. Then, but then you got half of one. Maybe when DW grows up, she's going to work for the IRS mm-hmm. because she definitely crunches the numbers later on in this episode. She's very. She's a bit type A like that. So, um, yeah, so Arthur is to take care of Perky, who. The family already sees it has a reputation. The one that the mailman calls Jaws. Now, that's not its only nickname, though. 
Uh, it's also referred to as furry facey poop babe poopy baby furry facey poopy baby yes is what uh, uh, I forget her name Miss, Miss uh, Mrs. Woods Mrs. So. Woods so affectionately refers to Perky as which I'm not sure if that's a, a positive term I'm not sure if I would call my girlfriend furry facey poopy baby yeah there's a whole kind of old thing of just like oh old people like to add poop to stuff and they think <laughs> and, they, and, and, and <laughs> More ways than one, if you've been doing old folks, uh, folks, and 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 they think it's cute, but it's just like yeah, it's just kind of an old thing because she's a little bit like she's not like she's a like maybe a couple years below Grandma Thora, I think, but she's definitely much older, and she has this fastidious list of the ways that Perky must be handled, and she drops a hint for later in the episode. She says uh, Perky just makes a little noise. She hasn't been herself lately. Ooh, so. some foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Arthur gets Perky as his charge, and so the next kind of couple minutes are Arthur kind of dealing with her schedule decently at first. Um, one thing I wanted to note here, and I apologize, I don't exactly remember where this comes into the whole um, this whole part, but at one point the family is eating, and it seems like they're all eating heaping bowls of mashed potatoes and nothing else. <laughs> well, they say that you could survive off potatoes. A real a potato has everything you need in it. I read you an could, article You could the other survive, day. but live? I, I, I think that that... Uh, I Matt think, Damon did it on Mars. I think that that bathroom... Well, yeah, but on Mars here. I think that I think that, that bathroom's going to be a little busy in the Reed situation there. Arthur br- has to brush her hair very, very carefully. Each brush, times. each brush stroke counted, uh, makes her dinner, which I'd eat Perky's dinner. Yeah, a lot of dog owners these days, there's this whole trend of giving your dog natural foods. So mm. This isn't actually that outside of the realm of possibility or reality, but it does get super crazy when but, after— Yeah, we're, talk- we're talking about like like a dog bowl with like liver and like other— Meats that different you or kibbles. I would eat. Yeah. Not even not even kibble. It's like actual food, it seems. That, but then... The creme de la creme. The very exact middle of a cheeseburger, which he slices deftly from, from tip to tail and slices it down the middle, enough so that he makes kind of like a cheeseburger sleeve. He certainly has his father's catering steady hands. Yeah. He's inherited those. Uh, and one pickle. Mm-hmm. And a nope. Ch- no pickle. No pickle, Mike. See, take this the, is why I couldn't take care of Perky. Take the, but pi- take the pickle out. No pickle and a cherry, cherry on, on top. top. Uh, and then there's a great bit where Perky still refuses to eat this concoction. And Arthur goes, this is really great. I laughed at this. Uh, I forgot the parsley, which, of course, Perky would not eat the food unless it had its parsley to complete the garnish. If Gordon Ramsay was there. They'd spit it out and mm-hmm. say, you forgot the parsley or something like that, and they'd shove it in the garbage. <laughs> so Arthur is at Perky's beck and call, and this and I, I made the note that this episode has to take place during the summer because if he had school, then, <laughs> like, who, who would be taking care of her? Like, it's got to be – he has to be there, like, basically an on-call doctor at this point because she's constantly in need of a schedule upkeep. Eventually, it, it's kind of getting on in the week. It's never really said how much, and, you know – Arthur believes if he can handle Perky, he can handle any dog, which is a good point. He's really putting himself, he smells like smoke because he's been through fire with Perky. And after this, any dog could be fine. Uh, Knock at the door because uh, this kind of highlights Arthur's poor planning. So I 
I, I'm glad that I got the one compliment of his business uh, mind out of the way because we're sealing the, seeing the faults of this whole thing. Very, it's it's uh, the the house of cards is crumbling down yeah, here. Because, castle built on sand. Yes. And speaking of sand, uh, Prunella <laughs> wants her to take care of her ant farm. Uh, they have a barn dance on Tuesday night, but then lo and behold, out the door, it's lined up down the block with people wanting Arthur's pet business, and of course. No scheduling mentioned in the poster. No calls ahead, so Arthur could would have to turn away potential business, and that's just not what you do. So he's faced with this line of people, and I noticed in the line there was a man who looked exactly like the brain if he were like sixty years old. Interesting. He had like a pipe and like weathered eyes, and I think he had like a parrot or something. This one shot, and I know we bring this up almost every episode now, so I'll be brief, mm-hmm. but it really points out again. The leap in logic you have to take to just ignore the animal hierarchy of the Arthur universe. Because, again, this episode's all about animals owning other animals. Do you know, do you know something? This was, this was the first time that I didn't really think about that. And I think I, – and I don't know why because I'm the one who brought it up several times before. But you're absolutely right. There's no human-sized frogs. No. That's one thing that's been consistent. That be, frogs are all that normal. That would be terrifying. Uh, Mr. Frog. I want to get off Mr. Toad's wild ride. Anyway, uh, but we've seen in later episodes there's giant ducks. There's human-sized ducks. But birds are still small enough to be in a birdcage. It's all very confusing if you think about it a little too hard. It's like the movie uh, Primus. It's like the movie Primus. Primer. Primer, Primer. Excuse me. It's like the band Primus. (laughs) It's very confusing if you think about it too hard. So we fade to black from this lineup of animals and we cut to hell. <laughs> because the Reed House has turned into a in, turned into a, a damn zoo, <laughs> and it, it it it's it's my hell. It's like you're taking care of animals. Like I'm not an animal person really by very much of a stretch normally. And then you have all kinds of breeds of different animals that are clearly should be killing each other, but are somehow <laughs> staged a truce. But you know we see the kind of fruits of Arthur's labor there of just. The schedule after schedule, and you know, there's trouble with frogs who have made their way into into DW's bed, into like the lemonade. Uh, you know, there's a there's a budgie bird flying around, a snake. There is a snake attaching itself and coiling around people's legs, and Kate's got a hold of the ant farm, interrupting their barn dance, getting ready to shake it. And so when Arthur takes the ant farm away, Kate immediately starts crying. Which is the last thing you need in in hell is a baby crying. And this whole thing is going... As poorly as it can. As poorly as it can. Very well said. I agree. So Arthur somehow manages to wrangle them all into the basement, including, uh, I must say, uh, some very deft snake handling of just coiling up the bow constrictor and putting it in its cage and just like... You couldn't pay me to do that, but you can pay Arthur to do it. So, That's right. So good on him for really taking it on the chin. So Arthur, and then, of course, uh, he still has to take care of Perky through all this madness. And then he he tries, he he tries attempts to conscript DW into his, uh, into his business. He says, I'll pay you $2. And DW with a great line, Arthur, you know I'd do anything for you for money. Oh, DW's so good in this Very episode. Very dr- Well... Sort of. Uh, I'll get. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, so Arthur is nearing the end of the week, and he's taking Perky out for a walk. How he has the time, I'll never know. Uh, so he walks past the mailman, who is never really a character. He's just kind of this one-off, this uh, dog mailman. Which, haha. Uh, and he says, 
Arthur, what did you do to Jaws? And he says, I've never seen her this angry before. <laughs> and this gets Arthur shook. Like, this breaks him down. Like, this is the last straw. Because he said, because he insists, I did everything right. And then in double-checking, I did do anything, everything right. That's right. He double-checks a book about dog ownership, which I don't understand how that would apply to Perky specifically. But, A, it's pre-widespread internet yeah. use. And so... The thing that I the thing I was alluding to earlier with DW is that the script for this episode's a little weird because aside from a couple of those good lines like the one we just mentioned, our, uh, DW speaks an exposition a lot in this episode. Like the next morning she goes, uh, I bet you're happy today. Or it says, why? And she says, today you get rid of Perky and earn $10. Or like earlier when Prunella comes in, I just noticed her dialogue was really stilted. Just like, Prunella is here. She wants you to take care of her ant farm. And just like compare this with DW the copycat, and just like it feels kind of weirdly stilted and like overly scripted. DW is one of those characters where she walks that fine line where a lot of times in uh, media, when people adults are writing children, they just write kids that sound like adults. Uh, and sometimes DW do that does that, but she's always kind of endearing with it. Like DW will use words that are obviously too big for someone her age, or she speaks with uh, such an adult manner that it's kind of a weird juxtaposition, but uh, usually she walks that line well and it's kind of makes her character interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I, I like this joke. DW is wise beyond her years, but she still needs the color green explained to her. Yeah. But uh, this was a case where they did just kind of use her Ex- expository me, machine. Yes. Right. But though I do always like DW's one-liners. There's some characters I always appreciate when the writers have a little bit of fun mm-hmm. with their one-riders. It's, and it, it one-liners. It's Buster, DW, and Binky. They usually spout something. At least in every single episode, one of those three characters will make me laugh. It's true. And in the next episode, I think we really get uh, DW's character taking advantage of in a better way. So Arthur realizes that he can't find Perky and you know looks quote-unquote, all over for her. We'll see about that. Of course, Mrs. Wood shows up at the door, and I'm guessing all the other animals must be gone at this point because they're kind of a non-issue. I must say, uh, there's a great shot of Arthur, D.W., and uh, Dad Reed poking their heads out from a doorframe. I love a good head poking from behind a door gag. I just... Very Home Alone too. So D.W., again, kind of lording over the power that she has over Arthur and, and really very savage moments of just... Uh, hi, Mrs. Wood. Guess what? Arthur lost your dog. And, of course, she can totally get away with it because she's four. And the blame is on Arthur, but it's just like, man, that is a rotten move to pull on your brother. And, of course, uh, Mrs. Wood uh, gets very upset because Perky is her ba- her sweetie, furry, facey, poopy baby. She says Perky is out in, out in the world alone and unprotected, to which uh, <laughs> Dad Reed gets in a good line, too. He says, I feel sorry for the world. I feel sorry for the world. Um, I, I want to say... Um, Actually, I'll hold on to that for a second. Um, so eventually, Arthur calls him into the living room, and he f- Perky is behind the ch- the chair. And it turns out the reason that she was so angry and upset was because she was pregnant, and Perky had puppies. So she has a nice little litter of about four little puppies, and they're very cute little golden retrievers. And um, the most mess free dog birth of all time. <laughs> yes, and I've and I've witnessed animal birth. Very I saw close. Milo and Otis. Mm-hmm. I know how it is. I'll <laughs> never be the same, but I saw it. So, yes, very clean kids' uh, dog birth. And uh, so Mrs. Wood offers him 
the ten dollars, which I should hope so. <laughs> and then she and then she says, "How would you like a puppy as a reward?" I don't like Mrs. Wood. I don't. I don't think she's a positive character, and she's kind of like an old biddy who's she's like very obsessed with her dog. A busybody, a stereotypical yeah. aunt. Yes, very someone much so. who would be very excited about seeing I've, Phantom of the Opera. I'm not a fan of how she's completely unaware that Perky's pregnant. Like, I think that's very irresponsible of her. Poor and dog owner. And I also think it's kind of irresponsible to offload her puppy problem on Arthur. Like, take advantage of his kind of desire for a puppy and be like, yeah, yeah, sure, take take one of them. Like, take them all. Like, you know, and only to pay him, still pay him $10. I think that's a ripoff. So I, I'm not a huge fan of Mrs. Wood. I'm not sure if I agree with you on this $10 thing the more that I think about it. Because now... If Arthur was offering, uh, was receiving ten dollars for every single pet he was taking care of, he's in the green at this point. But but, then we get to the the, the kind of the punchline of the episode, which is uh, Arthur does get his own puppy, which will end up being Pal, and he says, "What should I name my puppy?" And W says, ten dollars," and that's what you owe me: seven dollars plus three for being assistant. So at the end of this, Arthur's got nothing to show for it, and. You're right in that all of those other pets surely must have translated into some kind of money for him, but we don't see it. It's and all bitcoins. It's it's all it's all IOUs. <laughs> so I think Arthur really got hosed on this pet business kind of thing. But you know what? The episode heard what you were about to say, and the final shot is after DW makes Arthur go back to zero. Uh, he smiles and looks at his dog, and you realize at the end of the day. Having a puppy was the most important thing to Arthur. The money wasn't that big of a deal. Anymore. I guess so, but he's also a kid, and I'm worried for him because I know he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the mental capacity to worry. Or, no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, so that's Arthur's pet business, and then we go from there into and now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. Uh, did you see it this time? I did see it this time. Uh, not a lot to say about this one. They had to talk about their own pet business mm-hmm. and list all these things about it. Uh, a couple notes. One thing, they were listing the uh, pets that would be at their pet store. My personal favorite, there was a lot of the dinosaurs, unicorns, that kind of stuff. My personal favorite, though, one kid just goes, snakes with wings. <laughs> Very biblical. Well, I'm certain that they used these kids before because my favorite kid with the accent comes back. Oh, I didn't notice and this. He, and, and it's just like... It's like we have we have for sale dinosaurs, <laughs> bears, and then like just like that thick accent of wherever. And you better they are. like it, or you'll be sleeping with the fishes. You hear? <laughs> My dad will kill you. My dad will break your legs. And then this is what I thought you would enjoy is that I they is, is, is that they get some we get some hashtag bars going on in here. They get to cut a few rhymes about their pet business. When the kids are talking about the activity, uh, they have the options of, and these are basically the two types of music in existence. You mm-hmm. get to do a rap or a song, specifically is what they're told. And almost all of the kids opted in for a rap. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, one of them seemed to not so much avoid song and rap, and uh, one of them was just kind of a threat. <laughs> because at the very end, it's, that the one group of kids just goes, go to pet paradise or else. Was that the same as our favorite kid? Was was no go no to pet d- paradise? A a was your insurance? You bought insurance on oh, this I'm gonna, building? Wouldn't it be oh, a shame? Da- oh my oh my dad's oh my dad's gonna burn your your board cage down. He's like it's burn re- your board cage it's down. so hard to do the, to do this accent without swearing. So I'm just gonna. <laughs> I know. Uh, anyway, I th- yeah, you're right. I thought it was I thought it was pretty cute. 
So we get to the second half of the episode, which is DW the copycat, immediate upswing in animation. Like, yeah, it's interesting. There was some was, moments in the previous episode, uh, like when Dar- Arthur is frantically looking for uh, mm-hmm. Perky. Uh, the animation on him is really good. Yeah. Or when Arthur's parents are telling him they'll get him a puppy if he shows he's responsible, uh, there was really great animation of him jumping up and down that yes. I appreciated. Yeah. But you're right. You notice immediately, and this is something that's really common. If you watch the show Adventure Time, you can tell the art style changes drastically from yeah. episode to episode, and it's all about who's directing it, mm-hmm. who's the storyboard exactly. artist for that. Exactly. And it's, and, it, and it's just a style, and I don't mean to say like one is – inferior in any way it's just you immediately notice there's a bit of a, a higher quality in the way that these this is kind of storyboarded um so we're talking so of course this one is dw centric giving the uh, nature of the episode uh dw's coloring in one of arthur's and it's a black and white book and <laughs> one thing i just wanted to point out is arthur has one of his token gasps when he realizes what DW is doing, the, the yeah, it's so cartoony, but it's lovely, and the, the delivery on it's perfect every time. He always punctuates. Well, his- I'm, you know what? I'm sure that they got that one take for posterity, and then just used it forever because you hear that gasp all the time. It's sort of the my leg of Arthur, <laughs> Arthur's my leg, uh, SpongeBob's my leg. It's it's my Arthur's leg. gasp. Yeah, it's the Wilhelm scream yes. of Arthur. Very much so. Yeah, and in fact. It, Almost kind of sounds the same now that I think about it. Like put put the I'll put those uh, back back to back and see how it sounds. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Arthur says sometimes I wonder what it'd be like if DW was different, and he imagines her in kind of similar roles to her friends, uh, to his friends. Excuse me. And I believe the first one that he wishes she was like was like the brain. And I love this. Like I, I thought this was really funny. DW. busts into the room while Arthur is doing homework and just says, I'll do that homework for you. Like, her balls drop. And she is just, like, ready to do this homework. And I just loved DW's big boy voice. The actors on this show always nail when they have to do an impression of a child doing an impression. Yes. Like, when they go two layers deep with their voice work. Yeah. They do do it well every time. That's a a good point. Um, DW's voice actor, uh, yeah, very ably does that. You believe it. So, and then, all done. Let's play ball. (laughs) (laughs) And then, or maybe more like Bionic Bunny. So DW shows up as Bionic Bunny in her costume, which is, you know, kind of the the from the title card, like the super sister costume. It's like she's got the the bla- the blankie is the cape. She's wearing a diaper for some reason. But, you know, little sister, whatever. So uh, uh, kind of helps Arthur out that way. And then we get I'd even like her better if she were a donkey. And this is where I'm like, all right, slow your roll here. Let's let's figure out what's what's happening here. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It just strikes me as so absurdist in a way of just like I was just gonna say the imagery presented here is very Lynchian. Okay, we have this especially when you consider that they're already animals, so you have an animal turned into another animal. Right. So instead of being bipedal, DW now has four legs. Yes. This f- fantastical donkey version. She's making waffles because she's got a donkey's body. But she also oh has an aardvark's head, but with donkey ears. Yeah, and like so, her, and her and her face. She doesn't have she doesn't have like a a nose. She doesn't have a snout. A it's snout. flattened like her face mm-hmm. is. So you can tell it's DW. Very horrifying. It's yeah it's, be, because uh, because again they have to kind of go layers deep and be and 
give the DW version of a hee-haw. What's even more baffling to me is what Buster says in Arthur's Imagination, which is, I wish I had a sister that was a donkey like DW. <laughs> What's crazy about that line is how matter-of-fact it is. But, but uh, I, I mean, in that situation, if you don't have a car and you're eight years old, the donkey's pulling them somewhere. They have a carrot dangling in front of the donkey W, as I'll refer to her, this character that I'm sure that's, has that, its own that, page on the Arthur wiki. That's not bad. Uh, and you know what? For getting the point A to point B in a city, donkey travel, not so bad, plus all those waffles. You could cut out the middleman of the card and just have her be a horse. But you know what? I really don't want to think about this too long because it's Arthur's imagination, and I feel like we could really go down a... A donkey hole here. That's so. right. We already have horse uh, X-Wing pilots. We don't have to go and get into these horse Arthur characters right. as well. So to which Arthur comes out of the his imagination and says, any change would be an improvement. This, so this, this little thing, has, like I've never understood it. So Arthur says the final line before we go to the title card. Then all of a sudden something shatters. Like the back, like a window shatters or something. And I don't get it. Like I know it's weird. Because you're not, it's, it's just like, it's two seconds. You're not supposed to think about it, but I'm like, what did she do? Did she break something? Is that what we're supposed to believe? I think the implication is that she broke something because she's just being generally annoying. Yeah. But it also could be Stone Cold arriving on the scene. <laughs> Baby Stone Cold. Baby Stone Cold. The, the gl- glass tinkle. What animal would glass Stone tinkle? Cold be in the Arthur universe? The rattlesnake. Oh, <laughs> All right, let's continue. Of course. <laughs> My goodness, why did I even although, ask? Although we don't have any, I don't know if Arthur has any anthropomorphic snakes. I'm sure down the line. We'll get there. There's a serpentor somewhere down in the line. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I like I like the way that this the episode starts out because Arthur, one of the things that Arthur and his friends run into a lot because they're kids is that they get bored very easily and they don't really want to like fix it. And I mean that happens with me too. It's like I'm bored and I have a ton of stuff I could do but none of it seems attractive at the time. So when I was a child it was nonstop because I only had an hour of computer time. So at that point it was like I did my hour of computer time and then I just had no idea what I was going to do for the day. My parents would go, "Oh, go play outside." And do what, parents? That's a great idea. Yeah. You know, I wasn't super athletic or anything, so I couldn't just go play ball or anything. I had to use my imagination, and that gets exhausting. Yeah. So uh, I remember my memories as a kid is being bored nonstop. Now as an adult, I could use the computer all I want, so I could just watch Arthur all day. You don't, you don't need imagination. Exactly. You just have the computer do it for you. So Arthur's showing his manipulative side a little bit. I, I really liked it, just heaving a big side, just... So that his mother will notice him because she's playing with Kate. Arthur doing this dramatic sigh, trying to get somebody to pay attention to him so that they can figure out how to help him not be bored. And, of course, his mother suggests playing with DW. She's got nothing to do. She's also conveniently sitting by the fireplace. And there's a great Looney Tunes cut from Arthur's face to DW batting her eyelashes. And it just reminded me of, like, like Bugs Bunny doing that in drag or something. And I thought that was really funny. Complete with, like, the sound effect when the eyelashes move. The dut Like, it, the same as in a Looney Tunes cartoon. And then to which Arthur says, I'm not that desperate. <laughs> Uh, and then he eventually agrees because he's got nothing better to do. So DW follows him outside, and she's she's just just saying, "I, it's like I won't be annoying. I won't be annoying." And just you know, in saying that she won't be annoying in an unwittingly annoying way. And then she's a great ends it off a great way. Just please notice that I'm not being <laughs> annoying. Uh, 
Arthur is playing catch with DW, or at least ba- like baseball, very simple baseball. Uh, Arthur doing the Caddyshack narration. Have you ever seen Caddyshack? I have, but it's been a while. Okay, so he's doing the Bill Murray narration kind of thing. He's just like, it's like bottom of the ninth, two out. Arthur Reed is one perfect pitch away from like winning the World Series or whatever. It's just like Cinderella's story going on to become the Masters champion. And we're, right, right, and, we're, right, right. and we're just And we're just like, we're one more it's in the hole from it being a full-on Bill Murray. So I thought that was a good... Shout out. DW has a doll with her, uh, Princess Sneezing Wet, and to which Arthur proclaims there are no babies in baseball. Which must be a League of Their Own reference. Yeah, no crying in baseball. Maybe so. Actually, that's a, that's a, that's a good catch. To which DW says, what if they were really good? And to which Arthur has no answer because he's just angry. DW, perhaps the line of the episode, I mean, there's there's been some great ones so far, but this is my favorite. It's DW dropping some truth by saying, this is America, Arthur. Everybody deserves an equal chance. We need DW is the hero we deserve in these days. The current political climate in the USA. I don't want to make any statements here because we are Canadian, so it's not really my place to talk. For sure, but I think the grown-up DW could do very well for herself in the realm of politics. Okay. Well, we actually see her as a politician in uh, flash, imaginative flash forwards later uh, in future episodes. He, Arthur calls her a baby and storms into the house. Calls her a baby multiple times. Arthur uses baby like a slur often. Mm. It's his go-to insult. Uh, he's frightened constantly of being perceived as a baby. Mm. Well, uh, because, he calls be, other people babies. Because they're still children, and I think that that's, I think that that's something you want to shed, is that you don't want to be seen as, as a baby. You want, you want to assert your independence, and by being a baby, you're not independent. Uh, to which... Uh, Arthur says, you act like a baby. And DW says, oh, yeah, can Kate do this? And then d- proceeds to do a pretty good hand- pretty good yoga handstand. I'm just like, she's got you there, Arthur. It's, Kate uh, can't do that. DW to Arthur zero at this point. Every time he tries to bring up an argument, she he re- immediately refutes it. Uh, DW does. So we cut next to uh, DW watching TV. And Arthur is very adamant that he has to see the Bionic Bunny one-hour special that's on TV where he fights the uh, Bunny-saurus or whatever it is. Bunny-saurus, it's like a robotic caveman. It's a really weird amalgamation yeah, of a it's, bunch it's, of different It's tropes. like this this amazing, awesome villain of the week or whatever. To which DW says, Mary Moo Cow was just explaining green. How am I supposed to understand green? <laughs> I... It, <laughs> <laughs> What's kind of crazy about this is, like, I would want to see that show because people talk about, like, when you're growing up blind, when you're born yes, blind, yeah, yeah. you have no concept of what color is. Or even if you're colorblind. Green is not something that can be explained. No. Mary Mukau must be, like, an incredible public speaker or you, teacher. You must have to drop some molly to, like, fully appreciate That's it. right. Mary Mukau is, like, working on this... Super, super you know what? metaphysical layer. Arthur's in, like, the, by the time Arthur's in college, like, Buster is dr- smoking some heavy J's and watching some Mary Moo Cow, and he's writing his thesis on Mary Moo Cow. We, uh, a little quick aside here, there's the baby channel. If you buy, like, an extreme channel, uh, if you buy an extreme channel package, yes. where you have, like, a thousand television yep. channels, you get up, up there. In the late teens or whatever, you right. find the dog channel and the baby channel. Is that different from Treehouse TV? Absolutely. Okay. So Treehouse TV is like children's Children's programming, shows. yeah. The baby channel's not for toddlers. It's for babies. So it's like an hour of someone drawing circles in the sand or just an hour of colors flashing wow. on the stream. It's great stuff if you're really like smoking drugs same with the dog channel the dog channel is just someone stuck a webcam in a park 
and it's literally just one shot of a park unmoving, and it's TV for dogs to watch. It's not like the Animal Planet where it's TV about dogs. It's TV made for dogs as the audience. The Puppy Bowl, this is not. No, and uh, I must say I've known you for a couple of years. I think the the whitest thing you've ever said is smoking drugs. (laughs) And meaning it, but my God, my God, the baby channel. Okay, they struggle over the remote, and I, and first of all, I just want to say to Arthur, like, just wait it out, dude. Mary Mukow's not like ninety minutes. It's not, <laughs> it's not a made-for-TV movie. It's going to be over soon, surely, and you'll be able to catch at least some of Bionic Bunny without getting into a fight. So Arthur, the DW is hanging off of the remote, and Arthur's still able to like hold it aloft. And I'm like, my God, the tendon strength on Arthur. Well, the, also the, the remote, the, the grip. The remote, they don't make them like they used to. It's probably one of those old 90s, like, iron remotes. It's not these yeah. plastic button yeah. remotes with a million buttons we have these days. So Yeah, it's hard as a rock, so it's, like, good work out there. So uh, his mother solves it by saying who got there first, and, of course, it was DW. And so DW proceeds to watch Mary Mukow. And Arthur literally has nothing better to do than to just sit and audibly stew next to her just groaning loudly so she can hear and voicing his displeasure. A big theme of this episode has to do with D.W. and Arthur's relationship. One of us made the point in an earlier episode that some that their relationship will change a lot, and I think it was in the first episode with Nadine that D.W. was kind of looking for Arthur's approval in a way. And in this one, she's absolutely, like, it's explicit. She's one, She says, you never do anything with me anymore, and she misses kind of being part of Arthur's world. She wants to be... She wants his approval. She wants to... His attention. Yeah, his attention. So really bringing that to the forefront, which is kind of uh, where she gets the idea to start copying him because she doesn't want to do interesting things that Arthur likes. So if she does exactly what he likes, then he'll want to play with her again. So then we kind of go about a little bit of a montage of um, DW kind of doing the things that Arthur wants to do. Like he walks in, she's watching TV, but then Bionic Bunny comes on. And Bionic Bunny, this is our first kind of good look. This, th- These two episodes are our first good look at the series. It's kind of... I wrote this down too, by the way. Mm. Uh, it's, I mean, as we'll kind of see, I mean, later in the show, later in the series, you get like Dark Bunny, which is kind of a, a takeoff on Batman the Animated Series. But this is kind of like your standard superhero serial. And the, the introduction, I thought, was of note because Bionic Bunny was created by super science and radical animal husbandry. <laughs> Even hearing it now makes me laugh. Well, and we could go so far <laughs> into how this exists. But really, like, it would just be, in my part, it would just be navel-gazing because I have none of the answers because it's taking rabbits. Well, well, yeah, they show what's even more bizarre than the words they use. Radical animal husbandry is already crazy enough that they the, said that. It's the name of my next album. But it's, <laughs> but it's the imagery of them taking, again, not bipedal rabbits out of these not rabbit, rabbit Not rabbit people. Yeah, not Arthurized rabbits, but like rabbits as you and I see them. It's another thing we just got to move on from because if we think about it too much, our brains will explode. Yeah, but uh, by the way, great use of the word husbandry. <laughs> like I really appreciate that. So Bionic Bunny is in a jam in this episode and uh he's the room is filling with water. I'll drown unless I drink it all. And I have to surmise that the next 5 minutes is just Bionic Bunny drinking water. But from what cuz you you hear him gulping in the background as they're kind of <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's great. Yeah, and uh, so DW watching Bionic Binding with Arthur, kind of following his cues as to how to react to the react to the show because she doesn't really like it or even perhaps even really understand it. I mean, I barely do. Sure. He's Superman, but he's <laughs> got good, robot legs. That's a good point. I don't know what radical animal husbandry meant. I had to Google it after this. I, yeah, no, I had to familiarize myself with the word husbandry, too. Uh, so uh, Arthur kind of finds common ground in the sense that DW is doing what he likes to do. Yeah, he gets, says, gets DW finally has good taste. Yeah, and so gets her some ice cream. Um, the next thing is that DW has gone to the store with Mom Reed and has gotten an identical wardrobe to Arthur. The same yellow sweater, the same uh, polo, the same dress shirt underneath, the same jeans, uh, probably the same shoes. I got to say, the mother is weirdly placid in this whole affair. Like, she's just kind of letting this play. Like, she's kind of just seeing where the ball lands and just kind of, like, letting it be. Like you know what, though? That turns out to be the right way to deal with this whole situation in the end, I think. Yeah. And uh, you know what? You're probably right. It's just kind of strange that, like, she never really piped up and was just like, eh, maybe this isn't a good idea. But, yeah, in the end, it is kind of her way of things, of just kind of letting, letting it go and letting them kind of deal with it themselves. So The thing I got from this, seeing Arthur's clothes on someone other than Arthur, I'm so used to seeing them on Arthur that it's like, oh, that's what Arthur looks like. That's yeah. his uniform. I got thinking... Man, Arthur just looks like he dresses at American Apparel. Like, <laughs> Arthur, it's the exact same outfit, down to the round brown glasses. Arthur literally looks like an American Apparel model with his stonewashed jeans and his brightly colored thin sweater over a Layers. white dress shirt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And seeing it on DW just solidified that fact in my mind. They <laughs> shop at the same American Apparel store. Uh, so at one point they're watching Bionic Bunny again, and for some reason Bionic Bunny is tussling with a giant lobster wearing a parka. This isn't so much a, like, weird animal thing with Arthur. It's just like, I wonder what that thing is. Kind of reminds me of him from the Powerpuff Girls. Well, yeah, just by the virtue of the lobster. But I wonder, like, why the parka? <laughs> you know, that's the kind of things I think about. So he breaks out of the claw, and uh, <laughs> Bionic Bunny goes, I call that my built-in escape claws. Now, both of the kids laugh at this joke, but Arthur points out, whether DW knows what it means. Now, I'm going to stop this here and say, yes. do you think Arthur knows? I get that it's supposed to be a joke and Arthur probably knows it's funny, but does he know what an escape clause is? Does Arthur know what like business contracts are and how they work? Given the way he ran that pet business, I'm going to say no. Yeah, he needed an escape clause from that. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, at one point, uh, Arthur is kind of getting wise to the fact that DW is doing what he's doing at the library. So he ducks into the men's washroom and DW of course follows him because just, just to, just to do the same thing. And then somehow of the reaction, you know, they hear screaming from the bathroom. Apparently there are three busters in the bathroom because they just overlaid (laughs) the voice actor who plays buster screaming three times. And just like, so Buster is three people in there now. <laughs> it's the same as how every single bewildered adult in the Arthur universe is Mr. Rapburn or a relative of yeah. Mr. Rapburn because yeah. they all sound like him putting on a put-on voice. Sure, sure. Just like a, just like a funny cost-cutting measure. So Arthur has to like so he notices it definitely now and says, "Stop doing everything I do." DW says, "We just happen to be interested in the same things," and she does it in this weird, uncanny, unblinking way, and it's it's creepy. It's very. It's like it's very single white female. <laughs> it's very be careful what you wish for a moment yeah. where it's uh, uh, Arthur realized 
He sort of wished on a monkey's paw. Mm -hmm. DW is being interested in the same things as him, but to an extent he's very uncomfortable with. Yes. Uh, So the next thing is Arthur going off riding with his friends, and now DW has adopted his glasses as well. Although differently, because she doesn't have the the white eyes with the black dot. She has her same face with the black dot eyes. And she points out they're her sunglasses. Yes. She just poked the Yeah, so they're out. just basically vanity glasses. I must note that in the timeline of Arthur, this is post-PAL training because PAL is seen with his collar, and it's past the point where DW knows how to ride a bike. Interesting. So because she rides with them, uh, this is uh, Arthur, Buster, Francine, and the Brain. Uh, I need to mention the Brains. The, their, their combined line of... Am I seeing double? Was that Arthur's sister or some science experiment gone horribly wrong? All of Arthur's friends have great reactions to DW acting just like Arthur because they're basically jumping into the story without any of the prior Oh, completely context. cold. So they're all mystified. Yeah. Uh, so they all race to the sugar bowl. They race to the sugar bowl and Buster p- proclaims last one there is a henway. And this got me too. Like, again. You, you, you were just, for a couple seconds you were like, what in the world is a henway? This show is really exemplifying how little I pay attention when I watch television shows. Because you'll say something like, oh, I noticed this all along. They were simplifying this for kids. And I always right, go, right. Oh, I, I, I figured it out when the kids would figure it out. So, again, Buster gets me. It's sort of a uh, uh, Bofa moment where I'm not going to do it. But uh, Buster goes, uh, last one, there's a Henway. Someone asks, what's a Henway? Buster responds, about five pounds. So, yeah. You, like, you could really you, – you could really – that could have stood to be a lot meaner. Arthur got off real light. It could have been just like, <laughs> like, like last one of the Sugar Bowl is a real friggin' jerk. <laughs> like, it's a crumb bum of just like, yeah. But Arthur really got off light there. Uh, so we get what is a really great couple of minutes here with uh, with Binky. And as you, you mentioned earlier, Binky can get some really great lines in, here and there. And I think this is very exemplifying of that uh, because he sees – DW outside and says, hi, Arthur, then goes into the sugar bowl and says, hi, Arthur. And then he kind of thinks about it for a second, looks at the two of them. And he says, oh, there's two of you. And then just walks away. <laughs> like, it's cool. Like, oh, that's all he needed. There's two of them. And that's 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 the, the thing way about life. Binky is the writers, again, use him kind of how they need. It's very similar to DW where his personality slightly changes. Sometimes he's more of a bully. Uh, and sometimes he's more friends with Arthur. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it feels a little mean-spirited how dumb the writers portray Binky yeah. as. But I think he crosses that line where he's sort of lovable yes, in very his much, very ignorance. Much so. And, I mean, I, th- I, thought th- I thought these parts were really funny. Um, I also I also like DW uh, kind of piping up when the person at the Sugar Bowl says, do you want a baby seat? And she says, that would be a very thoughtful thing to ask if there was a baby here. So when this was happening, no word of a lie, I spit out my drink <laughs> oh, man, all over my computer monitor oh. and I just started I'm all by myself in my room in the dark watching this Arthur episode taking down notes and I laugh I had to pause the episode I was laughing so hard I'd completely forgotten this moment and the timing the way she changes her tone from that would be a very thoughtful thing to ask if there was a baby here I laughed and it's, laughed it's, it's the hardest I've laughed since we've started watching Arthur again I couldn't believe how funny it's was. a fantastic delivery. It's, it's, <laughs> real, it's really funny. And then, actually, I think I laughed a bit more at this, but absolutely. 
Um, Binky comes up and he says, you can't fool me, Arthur. There can't be two of you. <laughs> he says, who's this? And points to the real Arthur. It's like that moment that's in every single television show <laughs> where eventually there's a clone of somebody and they start pr- trying to decide which one's the real one. Someone will have a gun or something and they'll be pointing it at both of them and the people will be arguing, I'm the real one. No, I'm the real one. But Except it- this happens to Binky in a moment where it's so obvious yeah. which one's the real Arthur. <laughs> it's great. Like, it's really funny. And the Arthur has to clarify, I'm Arthur, that's my sister. And then Binky says that DW looks like a ring-tailed doofus. <laughs> Which, like, I get doofus, but I don't understand the ring-tailed part of this. Maybe there's some issues with raccoons in or, the Arthur or, universe. Or, pi- or pigs. That's right, I pigs. Thinking, I was thinking pigs. Uh, I guess ring. I don't know, but like it's 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 a funny Lemurs. it's a funny combination of words. And he's you know proceeds to say you know those are the dumbest shoes and clothes and glasses I ever saw. And that's of course exactly what Arthur's wearing. So that night, uh, Arthur is kind of talking the situation over with his mom and dad, and says, "Can we move and not tell DW where we're going?" And just like Arthur's dad probably responds. He doesn't even have to think about the question. Like no, he's not even surprised. He goes no. We cannot do that. <laughs> like, like, no, why? <laughs> DW's copying of him is kind of affecting Arthur socially because he's not invited to Muffy's pool party because his sister Arthur Jr. will tag along, which, of course, he doesn't want. And going back to your point about Arthur's mom, it's it's absolutely true. She seems to be kind of hanging back, but probably for the better because his dad says, maybe you should tell DW how you feel. And Arthur immediately goes, me? Why can't you? And then she says, this is between the two of you. And she's I'm like, well, that's absolutely right. It's you, a great teachable sh- moment. Yeah, you shouldn't uh, you, you shouldn't use another party to solve your own problems. Like you got to fake the set on. Then we get the debut of the Tibble Twins. Oh, T- the Tibble Twins. Tommy and Timmy. I was so excited to see Tommy and Timmy. I forgot how I how much I liked those characters. They're very interesting because there's not a lot of kids in the Arthur universe at this point that are the same age as DW. Mm. We've basically only been introduced to Nadine. Yeah. So, it's Who's- nice to see more characters that are DW's age. Yes. And uh, so they try and tempt her to come play things that are closer to their age. Vegetable sing the ABCs, which I, which I imagine might be a little bit of a, 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 a wink at maybe Veggie Tales. Maybe. A little bit less maybe. biblical, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. And more mathematic. Yeah. So she kind of longingly thinks about it but decides against it so she can play soccer with Arthur, which she kind of doesn't really want to do. So then Arthur con- confronts her straight up and says – why don't you, uh, like, p- please stop copying me. Like, neither of us are really happy that you're doing this. It's just, like, so sh- So I should do things I like instead of the interesting things you like, to which Arthur says, I'm sorry that I said everything you like is boring. And she says, so you'll still play with me sometimes? He says, sure. Gee, that was easy. Yeah, like, communication is key. A lot of Arthur episodes end that way, where it's like, huh, maybe we should just talk about our feelings. It's an important lesson to learn. You just kind of have to go through the rigmarole of just like, man, this would be easier if you just talked to her. Um, hey, that's like a good lesson for life, even into adulthood. Every time I listen to an advice podcast, a lot of the people will write in. The answer, more often <laughs> than not, is, hey, why don't you talk about it with this person? The latest, sa- the latest like savage love of just like just just put it out there, man. Just communicate. Th- Okay, so the ending also confuses me. Um, so at the ending, DW agrees not to stop copying Arthur. Then she comes back in and says, and Mom said I can watch Mary Moo Cow any day for as many days as you watch Bionic Bunny. I don't get, like, I don't get it. Like, did she so, re- did she really say that? Like, <laughs> what? Like, what's going on here? So now, 
Bionic Buddy, is it usually at the exact same time as Mary Newcastle? I th- yeah, I think that's the because crux Because I thought the problem was that Bionic Buddy was going to have an hour-long episode as opposed to its usual 22 minutes. Well, that's what I and said. so maybe that- it only overlapped that one week, and they're at different times more regularly. No, I think they're. I think it's meant to imply that they're at the same time. Well, now I'm so, confused. Well, yeah, well, exactly. So, like, DW kind of drops this weird, like, punchline on Arthur – and he says, why do I feel like I got tricked? And, like, so is is this real? Like, <laughs> like, email into ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Like, please, I don't understand the ending of this episode. And, like, I didn't understand it when I was a kid. I'm 26 years old. I don't understand it now. So, like, please tell us, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com, if you know what the heck's going on this end. What I thought the moral was was be yourself, but also, you know, hang out with your sister. I thought the moral was everybody has to kind of give and take. Yes. Like sometimes Arthur has to do things no. he doesn't want to do. No, that's and some... wants to do things she doesn't want to do so they can hang out with each other. But I get what you're saying too. Is I don't the get, implication I, I, I... that DW's whole plan all along was she just wanted to watch Mary Mukow during Bionic Buddy. Yeah, was was this all a ruse? Did she ever believe in it? Like it's I don't know. It's like the ending of the usual suspects. I was but just somehow... going to say is DW Kaiser Soze. But somehow somehow less cut and dry. Um, the greatest trick uh, Mary Mukau ever played was convincing the world she didn't exist. Or convincing the world that green was a color. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there you have it. That's uh, DW the copycat, and that ends our episode. Um, uh, so I'm going to say it's tough because I, I will say DW the copycat, great episode. I really enjoyed it. Arthur's Pet Business, I don't know. Like, I don't think I really liked it that much. So I liked Arthur's Pet Business, okay. and I'll tell you why. Go ahead. Uh, some of the episodes we've watched that I hadn't liked, the mm-hmm. main thing they have in common is they have moments where they drag. And, yeah. and it's hard to make something that's 22 minutes long drag, but sometimes it does. Sure. Arthur's Pet Business uh, had a furious pace to it. It was just one thing after another. Arthur needed to show he's responsible, so he starts the pet business, and he has the idea, and he makes the posters, and then he's in the pet business. And then a million pets show up, uh, and he's got all these problems. Mm-hmm. And then the dog gives... There's a lot of action mm-hmm. in Arthur's pet business. So even though there wasn't enough room for character work, as you said, DW wasn't as fleshed out as she usually was. It was really an Arthur-based episode all about him. Uh, I appreciated the pace with it, Whereas Copycat, I appreciated more for its character work. Yeah. It's always good seeing Arthur interact with DW. I like when the D- writers flesh out DW. And also, Copycat might be the funniest episode of Arthur we've watched yeah. so far. Like that's why I gravitate so much towards it. That and the animation, I thought was really pleasant to look at. The Arthur's pet business just kind of left me feeling kind of flat. Like I didn't really feel like I didn't feel like it had as much character to it as as the DW the Copycat had and. It just kind of like it was just kind of Arthur getting into a situation, which is fine. Like you need those, but I I think I personally prefer when Arthur kind of has to grow as a person, or Arthur or a character has to kind of grow or deal with a bit more of a personal situation, which like kids would be. And you can do you can absolutely and you should have your kind of more wacky out there episodes, and we definitely will. But in this specific instance, it didn't really work for me. It's true because I, I think the reason you feel that way is because the moral in Arthur's pet business I think is supposed to be don't bite off more than you can chew. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't really act on that because in the end Arthur gets what he wants. Yeah. So it's kind of left unclear. We've got from point A to point B, but what was the point all along? It was to introduce Pal as a character. Yes. But there wasn't really a lesson learned in the end. For sure. 
Uh, what did you think of the episode? You can drop us a line at uh, Elwood City Limits on Facebook or email us, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com, especially if you understood the ending of DW the Copycat. This time, I did remember to get us the next episode. Now, we had a little bit of a mix-up last week. We, uh, we came in and we accidentally prepared for two different episodes. Now, if I remember correctly, the episode that you have notes for right now I don't believe is the next episode. It's true. I went two ahead. You did. I go was really an eager so, beaver. So you're ready to go for two episodes from now. But the next episode is one that I'm very interested in speaking in. Like this again has uh, kind of Arthur in a bit of a situation and Arthur having to do a little bit of growth. But I feel like it's both like I feel like both episodes mix them very well together. So next time here on Elwood City Limits, we're going to be talking about Locked in the Library. And, and Arthur accused. Oh, we've already gotten to Arthur's been on death row before, so mm-hmm. I wonder what's next for Arthur in the legal realm. How much, how much lower could he go? Yeah, making a murderer Arthur style. Thank you very much for listening to Elwood City Limits. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes or on SoundCloud. And, yep, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you can find it. Leave a comment and get, get at us through all of those other places. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much for supporting us already. That'd be a thoughtful thing to ask if there was a baby here. For Lucas Mancini, who is not a baby, I'm Will Young, and thank you for joining us for Elwood City Limits. We'll catch you next time.